Welcome to my podcast, The Cross in the Desert. I'm your host, Randy L. Noble, and I want to say thank you so much for taking time out of your busy life to join me today on my podcast. I have a very important question to ask you today. Where are we at on the prophetic time clock? That is, when we see the lawlessness, the evil, the war in Ukraine with Russia being the tyrant, when we think about the pandemic, the number of lives that were affected and the number of people that died, and we think about all of those things that are happening in our culture and we're overwhelmed with it, we ask the question, Lord Jesus, when are you coming? When will you deliver us from all of this chaos? Where are we at in Bible prophecy? Where are we at on the prophetic time clock? Well, what I would like to do on my podcast today is talk specifically about the pre-trib rapture of the church and what the prophetic scriptures are teaching. Now, on a previous podcast that you can listen on Anchor and Spotify, I went into great detail about the Russian invasion of the Ukraine and talked about it being a foreshadow of the coming Ezekiel 38 war. But on this podcast, we're going to look a little bit more closer at the signs of the time and what's happening in our culture and talk about the rapture of the church. Jesus taught specifically on the signs of the time when he would return in the gospel of Matthew chapter 24, Mark 13, and Luke 21. These portions of scripture were taught by our Lord shortly before his arrest his crucifixion and death, and they were prompted by questions from his disciples. I want to begin, though, in Luke 21, because I think it pertains very specifically to what we are seeing today and what we're feeling today. Jesus taught in Luke 21, 26, people will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world, for the heavenly bodies will be shaken at that time. They will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. When these things begin to take place, stand up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Notice verse 26, people will faint from terror. Jesus is saying there's coming a time, and he's referring to that time close before his second coming, where people will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world. Well, we see a foreshadow of that in the last two years of our life. The virus, the pandemic, the destruction of our economy, the death of millions of people, people were seized with panic and fear, largely because of the media. They were fainting from terror apprehensive of what was happening in the world. And Jesus is saying that there will be something just like that again before his second coming. But he said when these things begin to take place, he encourages us, stand up, lift up your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. Now, on my program today, I'm talking about that there is a season in which we're living in 
where the signs of the times are pointing to the soon return of Christ. I certainly would never set a date and a time. That would be a false teaching. And there's been plenty of that in the context of the Christian church for centuries where teachers would make predictions based on scripture. In 1988, Edward Wisenot said the rapture would take place. He was a false teacher. No, what I'm saying is that the climate and the season that you and I are living in When we see Israel returning to her homeland in 1948, when we see all of the things that have been happening, it gives us pause to think that Jesus is returning soon. Luke 21, 26 says, at that time before his return will be great panic and terror in our culture, much of what we're seeing today. And when we look at what's happening in our world with the invasion of Russia and Ukraine, the senseless death and destruction of innocent people, we wonder where is God in all of this? Well, God is very clear in his word that he is sovereign, that he is on his throne, that he is in control of all that is happening. The great prophet Daniel When he was in Nebuchadnezzar's court in Babylon, taken captive, he had just finished interpreting a very important dream. And the king, Nebuchadnezzar, was listening to what Daniel said. And in Daniel chapter 2, verses 20 through 22, we have Daniel saying something about the character, nature, and sovereignty of God. He says, Praise the name of God forever and ever. For he has all wisdom and power. He controls the course of world events. Listen very carefully again. He controls the course of world events. He removes kings and sets up other kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the scholars. He reveals deep and mysterious things and knows what lies hidden in darkness. We can praise the name of God forever, Daniel says, because not only does he have all wisdom and power at his disposal, he controls the course of world events. We can rest in his sovereign comfort that he removes kings and sets up other kings. And he will one at one time say to Putin, I'm removing you. I'm stopping your reign of terror. Because the scripture says he not only controls the course of world events, he removes kings and sets up other kings. So we can rest in the sovereignty of our Savior and God, that he indeed is in control. Whether we acknowledge it or not, he is in control of all world events. Now, To further amplify and answer the question, where are we at on the prophetic time clock? I want us to go to a famous teaching, Matthew chapter 24, the Olivet Discourse. Jesus has just pronounced judgment on the false religious leaders of Israel. And then he points out to their great temple of worship. He says, your house is is left unto you desolate, Matthew 23. So he's pronouncing judgment upon the temple in Jerusalem. And in Matthew 24, he's walking away from that temple after pronouncing judgment. And he says to his disciples, do you see all these things? Truly, I tell you, not one stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. So again, he's reiterating that the 
destruction of the temple, the place of worship, is very soon. And he makes this prophetic prediction that this will happen to underscore that what he's about to say, that he can be trusted that whatever he says in the future will also happen because the disciples witnessed this very destruction of the temple in AD 70 from the Roman armies and they certainly remembered the words of Jesus and realized what he said was accurate and true. They can trust him not only for that, but what he said would happen in the future. So Jesus is giving credence to a past prediction that they will see in their lifetime to what will happen soon in the future that his words can be trusted to happen. He is asked by his disciples, well, Lord, tell us, when will this happen? Question one. And what will be the sign of your coming? Question two. And of the end of the age? Question three. Now, Jesus begins giving the general signs. He says, first of all, Be careful that no one deceives you. So this time before he returns, one of the signs of the end of the age, the signs of the time, is great deception will come upon this planet. He says, many will come in my name claiming I'm the Messiah and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, famines and earthquakes. All these are the beginning of birth pains. Now, Jesus is likening the signs of his second coming, the signs of the time, to like a woman in travail giving birth to a baby. You know, as well as many men know, that the convulsions, the pain, begins very mildly and progresses to be more intense. It goes from mild to intense. Jesus saying in the same way of the travail of a woman, these signs and the things that are happening will begin on a small scale and intensify worldwide. That that's this what I've just told you is just the beginning of birth pains. He says there's going to be false prophets claiming to be the Messiah. We've seen that throughout the church aid. Cults, false teachers. He said many will come in my name claiming I'm the Messiah and deceive many. We've seen that with many non-Christian cults. And then he talks about wars and rumors of wars. Well, we've lived through many centuries of that. He said, but that's not the end. These are just precursors to the end. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. We see that presently with Russia invading Ukraine. He goes on to talk about worldwide famine and earthquakes in various places. He said, now this is just the beginning of the birth pangs. It's going to get worse. Just like a woman in travail, the pain starts somewhat mild and intensifies. He said, now, based on that, just understand that you're going to be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. You will be hated by all nations because of me. So now he's talking to the next sign is great persecution of the church. We see that all over the world, especially in Nigeria and the Middle East. He talks about at a time that this is going to happen, many will 
turn away from the faith and betray and hate each other. He's talking about a coming apostasy that will increase before the time of the end. Many false prophets will appear deceiving many people. False religions, persecution, wars and rumors of wars, earthquake, famine, nation against nation. And he says now in all of this, you need to, as my church, remain faithful because the increase of wickedness and the love of most is going to grow cold. Well, we see wickedness and lawlessness today. He says, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations and then the end will come. So we see all of these signs and the responsibility of the church to fully preach the gospel to the entire nations all over the world before the end. And then when that is accomplished, when God's elect is brought to faith, then the end will come. Now, these are the general signs, but I want to get more specific with you now. I believe in what we're seeing right now that Christ is coming soon. And I'm talking about the pre-tribulation rapture of the church. What's very interesting in what I've just told you is these signs that I've went over with you, these are signs that will intensify to the coming of Christ. With the second coming, we have signs that precede it. With the rapture of the church, there are no signs. It's an imminent event. And so I believe where we're at on the prophetic time clock The next imminent event is the pre-tribulation rapture of the church. Now, what do I mean? I believe that it's very clear in Scripture that God is going to pour out his specific wrath during a seven-year specific time period in which the world which has been deceived by the Antichrist, as Christ said that many will come in his name claiming to be the Messiah, that the world will fall under a new world order of deception, religious and political deception, and people uh, will fall prey to the lies of a great world leader known as the Antichrist. And specifically, it's going to focus in on Israel. That's a whole other teaching. But that will happen after the church is raptured. Pointing out something about this, the church right now in Ukraine is suffering tribulation, and our thoughts and prayers are with them. Every Christian in every age of the church has suffered persecution and tribulation. We're not exempt from that. The rapture is not getting us out of our responsibility. The rapture is pulling us out of the great wrath that God is pouring specifically on the ungodly of the world. Now, according to the Bible in Revelation 7, during this time of wrath, there will be great revival. God's Spirit will work with 144,000 Jewish evangelists, Revelation 7, who will preach the gospel all over the world. So there will be great salvation during this great tribulation. But the church age has ended with the rapture of the church. Now you say, well, Randy, how do you know that? Can you prove that in any way? Yes, I can. And I'm going to show you that. In Revelation chapter 4, the Apostle John is given a great vision of heaven. In the first chapter, he's confronted with this spectacular vision of the glorified Christ. He is given a responsibility to write corrective letters 
and admonishing the church, seven letters to seven churches. And after he's finished that duty, here in chapter 4, God opens up the heavens and takes him up into the heavens to see his glory. And it says in Revelation chapter 4 that he saw something very specific that I believe shows that the church is definitely in heaven before the great tribulation. He speaks of in Revelation chapter 4 verse 4 that in heaven there was a throne where there were 24 other thrones and seated on these thrones were 24 elders. Now, I believe it's very clear here in Revelation chapter 4 that what's happened when John says, And I looked, and therefore before me was a door standing open in heaven. I believe that is a prefigurement of the rapture of the church when John is taken up into heaven. And as I look at chapter 4, I see these 24 elders. Who are they? Well, they're not angels. They're not beasts. They are representatives of the Christian church. 24 elders with crowns of gold on their head. They have just been given uh, the reward for faithful service. They are worshiping God on the throne in heaven. Now, what's interesting is chapter 4 is that great scene in heaven, which I believe is the rapture when John is taken up. And he sees these elders. Chapter 5 is when the Lamb, Jesus Christ, takes the scroll from the Father's hands. And in chapter 6, he opens the scroll and the judgments begin on planet Earth. Well, before that, we see the elders in heaven. That is the church in heaven before chapter 6 when the great tribulation breaks out. When the Lamb opens the scroll and begins the judgments. Very clear to me that I believe that what we see here is the church safely in heaven. God taking her out before he pours out his wrath on planet earth. Now, in order to continue to make my case, I want to go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 through 9. I think this is very clear about where we're at on the prophetic time clock with the rapture coming before the great tribulation. The Apostle Paul had to write a corrective letter to the Thessalonians. Remember, in chapter one, or excuse me, in, in book one, chapter four, he had just talked about the coming of the Lord to take his church away. But now he's correcting a false teaching going around in the Thessalonian church. He says, Concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to him, we ask you, brothers and sisters, not to become easily unsettled or alarmed by the teaching allegedly from us, whether by a prophecy or a word of mouth or by a letter, asserting that the day of the Lord has already come. So there was a teaching from false teachers, a prophecy, a letter, claiming that, look, the day of wrath is here, and the church is still here. You're going through the tribulation, and Paul is saying, no, don't let anyone deceive you. He says that day, that day of the Lord, 
cannot come until the rebellion occurs. That is the apostasy. And the man of lawlessness is revealed, the man doomed to destruction. He will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped so that he sets himself up in God's temple proclaiming himself to be God. Paul is saying the day of the Lord cannot come until a falling away, a great apostasy of the church, and the man of lawlessness is revealed. Well, that doesn't happen until something else happens. He says, do you remember that when I was with you, I used to tell you these things, and now you know what is holding him back, that is the Antichrist, so that he may be revealed at the proper time, for the secret power of lawlessness is already at work, but the one who now holds it back will continue to do so until he is taken out of the way. The Holy Spirit, through the church, is causing the church to serve, to preach the gospel. He is the great restrainer of this man of lawlessness, but at the appointed sovereign time, he will withdraw his presence and remove the church out of the way and then the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth and destroy by the splendor of his coming. So Paul is saying, look, you're not in the day of the Lord. There has been no apostasy. The rapture takes place first and then this man of lawlessness is revealed in his seven years of deception and destruction on the planet. It's very clear here. For the secret power of lawlessness is already at work, Paul is saying, but the one who now holds it back, that is the sovereign Lord, will continue to do so till he, that is the church, is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed. So Paul is correcting their understanding of the day of the Lord. And I believe, as he did in 1 Thessalonians 4, he's saying, look, did not I already tell you that the Lord would come and that he would take his church away, that the dead would be raised, that this event will happen? And then the next chapter, chapter 5, he talks about the day of the Lord after, chronologically speaking, the rapture of the church. And here in Second Thessalonians 2, he is correcting a false teaching that they are already in the day of the Lord or already in the great day of God's wrath. He's saying, no. That man of sin, that ultimate antichrist, cannot be revealed until he is taken out of the way, referring to the church and the work of the Spirit. Now, just in case you're still not convinced that the pre-tribulation rapture of the church is the next great event on the prophetic time clock, this makes it abundantly clear. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, Paul is talking again to the Thessalonians, for they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. That's very clear. The church has a responsibility to be faithful, to reach out to the hurting and broken and preach the gospel. We have always suffered in some way great famine, great 
tribulation, great persecution. But there is coming a day when God will come for his bride, when Jesus will come halfway down to the earth and the dead will be raised and we will be caught up with him in glory before this great day of wrath. Because Paul says, Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. Here's what's very important. In order for you to be ready for that great snatch, that great rapture, you know, need to know personally Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Have you confessed him as Lord? Have you admitted you're a sinner, that you've broken God's law, that there is no hope from you apart from Jesus? Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He demonstrated everything he said is true when he rose bodily from the grave on the third day after his crucifixion. He is Lord. He is Savior. He wants to come into your heart and give you a new heart, a new spirit, a new beginning. And you come to him by believing that he is the Son of God who was crucified for your sins and rose again on the third day. That is the good news of the gospel. Then you can be ready when Jesus, the bridegroom, Jesus, the bridegroom, comes for his bride here on the earth. I want to thank you so much for spending this time with me. I hope that I've answered the question where we are at on the prophetic time clock. Keep your eyes focused on Christ. Have yourself an incredible week. God bless you. And I will see you again on my podcast, The Cross in the Desert.